All right, Shabbos we'll say good morning. Let us begin. Begin by thanking our sponsors for today's share. To thank our Tamatora sponsors for the month of Kislev, Semi Malka Esterson for dedicating all the Shurim and Drashos this month in memory of their parents, Yitzchok Leib Ben Aaron Akoin, Sarah Rachel Bas Baruch Avram, and Hinda Bas Henech Ephraim. We'll pay the merit of our Tamatora, the Neshama Sohavan Aliyah, and the family in Nechama. We thank our week of learning sponsors, Paul and Kathy Pollock. For dedicating the learning this week in honor of the birth of a grandson, Rabbi Henech Morris, Rosh Kolal of the Columbus community, Kolal, and his wife, Chaya, born to their children, Isaac and Esther Morris of Baltimore, Mazel Tov. And our day of learning sponsor, Hilary Jacobson Kent, in honor of Hilary's father, Tzvi Hirsch Ben Hanoch, Ben, ben Hanoch, Zichron Levracha. We hope that in the merit of our common Torah, the Neshama have an Aliyah and the family in Nechama. Folks, with that, let us begin. We have a beautiful, beautiful daf ahead of us today, a little bit of a longer daf. Thank you for accommodating the, uh, the bit of the earlier start. We are picking up, so today's daf is Vav 6. We are picking up on Hamad Bay's 5B, and we are picking up 2, 4, 6, 8, 9 lines up from the bottom. So I'm Rabbi Yitzchak. So Rabbi Yitzchak says as follows. So the Gemara says, nikri. A very interesting, very interesting statement. Whoever says Rachav, Rachav, the name Rachav. Now remember again, who is Rachav? We go back to Sefer Yoshua, and we know that we hear the story of the second set of Miraglim, the second set of spies. Remember again, the first story did not go well. First story did not go well. Second time, yo, second time spies are sent in. Um, and Baruch Hashem, this time it goes well, because Yoshua sends them in. And again, they stay by a woman by the name of Rachav. So the Navi identifies Rachav as an innkeeper. But there's an interesting Machlokis Mafarshim. Was she an innkeeper or was she a prostitute? That was a Machlokis in between the Mafarshim. So the, so the idea over here, the Gemara is saying that if a person says the name Rachav, Rachav twice, he automatically experiences a seminal remission. So the Gemara says, really? I say it, right? I say, good timing. I, 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 welcome. Right? I, 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 <laughs> I know, I know what you were trying to do. I know exactly. I know, I know how this works. Right? So, so, the, so, the Gemara, so the Gemara says, so Nachman says, I say that name all the time and nothing happens. Ultimately, again, when is that true? In other words, when does the name have an impact on a man? Ultimately, when he knew her. When he knew her. So Rashi says, Rashi says, Rashi says, Yoda and Makira. Yoda means no, Makira means recognize. Tosis understands that Yoda means having had relations with her. And Makira means having seen her. Okay, so the point that the Gemara is making is her name only has an impact on a person, on a man, if they knew her. Whether it means they knew her in an intimate sense or they just knew her in terms of having seen her. They will say, what's the point of a Gemara like this? Right? What, like, think about it. Just like, what in the world like, are we supposed to take from this? So let's say, taste something amazing. So remember again, Rachav becomes a Baalas Tshuva. Right, Rachav, remember, Rachav and her family are the only ones saved from the city of Yericho. The rest of the city is swiped out as part of the conquest of Eretz Yisrael. Rachav and her family are saved, and Rachav becomes a Baalas Shuvah. So I will say, the, the message of the Gemara is that no matter how broken a person is, no matter how deep of a hole a person has dug for themselves, 
no one is beyond redemption and salvation. So literally, you're talking about a woman who was such a well-known, such a well-known harlot that literally, again, just uttering her name had an impact on a man. That, that's how widespread her reputation of ill repute was. And it tells you something absolutely amazing. Sometimes we think that we make mistakes that cause us to become damaged goods and that prevent us from ever truly turning it around. But I will say it's not true. Even if a person is a rachav, even if a person is a rachav, no one is beyond repair. Such an incredible Gemara. So Gemara goes right there. Kev Mithri I will say this is so, so beautiful. When Rav Nachman, when Rav Nachman and Rav Yitzchak were taking leave of each other, because most remember again, that's how this whole story started. Remember again, Remember Rav Nachman and Rav Yitzchak were sitting down together to eat. Rav Nachman said to Rav Yitzchak, tell me a vart. Rav Yitzchak said, Rav Yitzchak said, I can't speak during a meal. So now again, they're parting ways. Now they're parting ways. So he says to him, Rav Nachman asked Rav Yitzchak, give me a bracha. Well, say, listen to how beautiful this is. So Rav Yitzchak says back to Rav Nachman, You want me to give you a bracha? I'll give you a mashal to what this is like. This can be compared to a person who was walking in the desert and he was hungry and he was thirsty. Hungry, I should say hungry, tired and thirsty. And the man happens to come upon a tree. And what was unique about this tree? It had sweet fruit. It had a stream of water passing, over, passing right by it, and it provided beautiful shade. The tired, the hungry man eats from the fruit. He quenches his thirst with the waters. The And he sits in the shade. And now the man wants to continue on with his journey. Well, this isn't how beautiful this is. Amar, Elon, Elon, Bama Avarechecha. And he says, Tree, tree, what bracha should I give you? What bracha should I give you, tree? Should I tell you that your fruit should be sweet? Your fruit are already sweet. Should I give you a bracha that your shade should be comforting? Your shade is already incredible. That you should have a stream of water pass under you. There is a stream of water that passes under you. So what bracha can I give you? Tree, tree, you who have everything. You have the fruit, you have the shade, you have the water. What can I give you? Rather the bracha I give you is that, listen to this, means as follows, that any time, right? Sometimes what you would do is if you would take a branch of a tree and you could plant it on its own. So any, any sapling that comes from you, top of vav, yukimoscha, ultimately again should be like you. So what bracha do you give to the tree that has everything? Right? The bracha you give to a tree that has everything is that all the future trees that come from you should be just like you. So both say, so too says Rabbi Yitzchak to Rav Nachman. What should I? What should I give you? What bracha should I give you? In Torah, that you should be a tamut chacham. Hare Torah, you have Torah. In Osher, that I should give you a bracha that you should be financially successful. Baruch Hashem, Hare Osher, you're wealthy. But I want to point out something interesting. You know, Chazal teach us that it's an incredible statement. Lo kol adam ochel al shtei 
that generally most people can't eat at two tables, right? What, the ta- what are the two tables? The tables of spiritual accomplishment, Torah, and financial accomplishment, wealth. Most people cannot eat at two tables. You usually in life have one of those two. There are certain people who, Baruch Hashem, enjoy both tables. Spiritual accomplishment, Tamidi Chachamim, and wealth. Apparently, Rav Nachman was one of those people. So Rabbi Yitzchak says, what bracha should I give you? That you should be a Talmud Chacham, you're a Talmud Chacham. That you should be wealthy, you're wealthy. Banim, in Banim, Hari Banim, that you should have sons, you have sons. So what bracha should I give you, Rav Nachman? Ella, Yiratzon Shiyu Tzatzai Me'echa Kimoscha. The bracha I give you is that your children should be like you. Your children should be like you. And I will say, so, so first of all, such a, such a beautiful, beautiful Gemara. And ultimately, again, such an incredible Musar Haskil. And I will say, but if you think about the deeper part of that Gemara, think about for a moment, if, if someone were to give us that bracha, would that be a fitting bracha or not, right? In other words, the golden life is to make yourself into the kind of person that if somebody gives you this bracha, somebody gives you this bracha, that your children should be like you, that that's a good bracha. Because sometimes in life, I don't want my kids to be like me. Sometimes in life I recognize how broken and how compromised I am, and I don't want my children to follow in my footsteps. So the goal is to live a life that if someone were to come to me and give me the Elon Elon Bama Avarechecha Bracha, your offspring should be like you, I would want to say Amen to a bracha like that. Incredible. All right, everybody says, go right there. We're going to talk a lot about rain today. A lot about rain. Turn around, on. So we'll say, beautiful, give me about it. Yo, Rep. So we'll remember again, we made reference to this in yesterday's daf, that the Pasuk, we say it every single day in Kriya Shema, the Nasati Mitar Arzichem Bi'ito, the Pasuk in Shema says, I will give you rain in the right time. Yore Umalkosh. Yore Umalkosh. Now, we'll say, we translate Yore Umalkosh as rain. Hey, we'll say, this is the big difference with Lashna Kodesh. Lashna Kodesh is such a nuanced language. You see, so in English you have synonyms. So synonyms pretty much mean the same thing, and they can be often used interchangeably. In Lashna Kodesh, there's really no such thing as an interchangeable word. There might be words with similar meanings, but each word has its own nuanced understanding. So when the Torah uses two words for rain, Yore Umalkosh, there's a reason for that. So let's analyze. Turn around on Yore. Why is it called Yore? Shemore asabrios latiach gagosein ulahachnis es perosein velasos koltachen. This is great. Yore, Yore is the rain that teaches you that it is time to go ahead and make sure that your roof is properly sealed to bring in your produce and to go ahead and take care of everything before the rainy season starts. So Yore is from Lashon of Hora to teach. When the first rains come, that tells you rainy season is coming. You have any leaks in the roof, you better repair it. You left produce in the field, better bring it in. And whatever else you have to do in advance of the winter season, do it. Rashi says over here, Yore is Revia Rishona Hayoredes B'mar Cheshvan. This is the first rain which falls in the month of Mar Cheshvan. And ultimately, again, why is, why is the first rain called Yore? Because again, it instructs us 
to prepare ourselves for the upcoming winter months. Incredible. Davar Acher, another possibility is, Shemora Esaaretz, or Shemerave Esaaretz, Umashke Atahom, that the first rain has the ability, literally, Merave means to saturate. It saturates the land, and the moisture goes down all the way to the depths of the earth. We're going to talk about that in just a little bit. Shene Amar, the Gemara quotes the Pasuk, Tila Meha Rava, Nachas Simcha, so Davarach, another possibility is Yore, Sheyored Benachas, Veino Yored Bizaf. The other possibility is Yore means what? It comes down gently. It comes down gently. The first rains are not torrential, intense rains, but rather they come down gently and not bizav. Zav literally means with anger. O Eino Eli Yore, O Eino Elo, maybe the other possibility is, I'm sorry, O Eino El, O Eino Yore. Or maybe Yorah means no. Maybe Yorah means that it does come down with like a, like a vengeance. And it goes ahead and causes the fruit to fall off the tree. Washes away the seeds. And washes away the trees. Tamalomar Malkosh. They're both saying the same passage. It says Yorah um Malkosh. Ma Malkosh bracha. Just like Malkosh is rain that comes down with bracha. First wide line of outside Vava Madalif. Af Yorah lebracha, so to the Yorah in the Pasuk, also mentioned over here, is rain that comes down for bracha. O Eno Malkush, or maybe Malkush means something different. Also, we're just trying to define our terms right now. Maybe Malkush means something different. O Eno Ela Malkush, Ela Shemapiles Habatum Mishaber Sailonos, Umales Hasekoin, or maybe Malkush itself is also a very intense rain that brings down homes, brings down structures, breaks trees, and causes the locusts to come. Talmud Lomar, Yora. Therefore, the Pasuk says, Yora, Ma Yora Lebracha. Just like Yora ultimately refers to rain, which ushers in blessing. Af Malkosh Lebracha. So to Malkosh ultimately is for Bracha. And I will say, now what I'll point out over here is the Gemara is clearly operating with the principle, Yora is the first rain, Malkosh is the second rain. When exactly these rains are supposed to occur, we'll see in Hashem in just a little bit. But the idea being also that the Gemara is operating under the assumption Yore is a lighter rain, Malkosh is a more intense rain. So the Gemara says, Yore gufei How do we know that Yore itself is again supposed to be a, a we'll call it a bracha dekarein? Tichsev u'bnei tzion gilu v'simchu ba'ashem alokechem kinasan lachem es hamore litztaka the Yore lachem geshem more u'malkosh brishon. So we'll say, so the Gemara quotes the pasuk. Calls the Bazak from Yoel and ultimately again uses the Lashon of Hamora Litzdaka. So again, you see that the first rains, the Mora is referred to ultimately again as Tzedaka. Beautiful. Tan Rabban. So we'll say, let's analyze a bit more. Yore b'marcheshvan, umalkash benisan. Yore comes down in Marcheshvan. So we'll say, remember again, Marcheshvan is the beginning of the rainy season. So Machlokas. Is it the third of Cheshvan? Is it uh, is it the seventh of Cheshvan? Again, we'll get into that more as well. So Yorah b'mar Cheshvan, Yorah first rains fall in Cheshvan. Umalkosh b'nisun. By the way, I also point out something very interesting. You'll notice over here that we often assume that the name of Mar Cheshvan, right, is it's Cheshvan, and then the Mar is added in, you know, because there's no Yamim Tovim, right? That's it's a bitter month. We'll say the name of the month is actually Mar Cheshvan. Right? So again, it happens to be we go. So right, again, it's known both ways. But you see that when Chazal refer to the month of Cheshvan, they refer to it as Mar Cheshvan. They refer to it as one word. It's not Mar Cheshvan. 
It's Marcheshvan, name of one name of the month. So you're, for example, that's how you write in Nixuva. Right in Iksuva, a person gets married during Cheshvan. It's not written Cheshvan, it's written Marcheshvan, one word. So, so the Gemara says, Tanabon Yore, be Marcheshvan, O Malkush be Nisan. Yore falls in Marcheshvan, and Malkush falls in Nisan. Atta Omer, Yore be Marcheshvan, O Malkush be Nisan. So you're telling me that Yore falls in Marcheshvan, and Malkush in Nisan. Oh, and we'll say now, I want to point out, that doesn't mean that it doesn't rain in between. But what it means to say is that there are two different types of rains in these months. Cheshvan has Yore rain and Nisan has Malkush rain. We'll, we'll question the Nisan piece in just a moment. Or Eina Ella Yore betishrei o Malkush be'ir. Or maybe not. Maybe ultimately again it means Yore comes in Tishrei and Malkush comes in Iyar. Talmud Lomar be'ito. They will say the Pasuk says be'ito. V'nasati mita artzichem be'ito. We'll say part of the bracha of rain. We saw this before earlier in the Masechta. Part of the part of the bracha of rain is that it's given in the appropriate time, right? There are many factors that make rain impactful and effective. Namely, again, the amount of rain, the way it falls, where it falls, and when it falls. So be'ito means Hakadosh Baruch Hu telling us, I'm not just going to give you rain. I'm going to give you rain in a time where ultimately the rainfall itself is impactful. So the Gemara says, Malkosh. So what does it mean, Malkosh? This is beautiful. Why is it called Malkosh? So again, we saw Yorah. Now we saw three different interpretations of Yorah. But if we go ultimately with the first interpretation of Yorah, ultimately it instructs us, right? When the first rains come, that's instruction to get ready for the winter months. Whatever you have to do in your home repairs, with your produce, whatever other needs. What's Malkosh? Malkosh says, Shmuel, it is something that literally circumcises or removes the difficulty, the kashios, right? The, 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 the difficulty of Klal Yisrael. Now, what does this mean about this? Take a look in Rashi. So this is Rashi in the wide lines, five lines in. So this is incredible. What happens if Malkush doesn't come? So we'll say, if Yoreh doesn't come, we get, those of us who are doing Mishnah Yomi, you've seen this in the Mishnayis already, right? If the rain doesn't come, it triggers a whole series of fast days. But when the rain doesn't come in Cheshvan, there's a little bit less urgency. The Yoreh doesn't come. If the Malkush doesn't come, if the Malkush doesn't come, that could be potentially agriculturally catastrophic. So what happens if the Malkush doesn't come? It humbles everyone. Rashi says again, when the Malkush doesn't, doesn't fall, we do tshuva, we fast, and we perform acts of tzedakah. So it's called Malkush because it humbles the heart, right? Sometimes we're, we're hardened, we're hardened, and the Malkush comes along. Such, such a musr, right? Some, some rain, right? Some moisture that falls from the heavens has the ability to humble us in dramatic ways. Really incredible. So the goes right to Debeir Bishmal Tano. So Debeir Bishmal taught as follows. Dabar Shememali Tevua Bekashiha. Why is it called Malkush? Because the Malkush is what allows the grain kernels to fill out in their chaff, which is another way of saying it allows the grains to grow. The Masnisa Tano, Dabar Shi Oret Alamalilos, 
Vialakoshin. Why is it called Malkush? This is beautiful. Malkush is a contraction of two words. Malilos means ears of grain. Koshin means stalks. So this is the type of rain. See, what you begin to see a little bit is Yore rain softens and saturates the earth. Malkush rains really impacts the crops. That's what it sounds like from the Gemara over here. So it's called Malkush because it impacts the ears, the Malilos, and the stalks. Yore falls in Marcheshvan and Malkush in Nisan. How do you know? How do you know that Yorah is falling in Cheshvan? Maybe Yorah is falling in Kislev. Tamalomar bi'ito Yorah u Malkush. Pasik says, in the right time. In the right time, God will give us Yorah and Malkush. Ma Malkush bi'ito? Just like Malkush falls in its right time. At Yorah bi'ito, so too Yorah will, fa- will fall in its right time as well. Tanyi, another brace that supports this. Yorah bimar Cheshvan u Malkush benisin divrevi meir. And the meir holds... The Yore falls in Marcheshvan and Malkush falls in Nisan. The Chacham, the Chachamim say, Yore be Kislev. Chacham say, no, Yore falls in Kislev. Man Chachamim. So we'll say, who are the Chachamim? And we'll say, you're going to see, by the way, you'll say to yourself, like, what, what, what does it matter? It's going to matter a lot because as we get on, to this, get on in this Masechta, we will see that lack of rainfall triggers fast days. So the truth is, you have to know, we have to establish when should we expect the rains? Because if you don't know when to expect the rains, then what? You don't know whether or not we have a drought issue, right? Do we need to trigger the fast days or not? So, man chacham, who are the chacham? Am Rav Chista, Rabbi Yossi. The chamar Rabbi Yossi, this sanyo, ezohi, Rabbi What's the first rain? Habechira, b'shlosh of Marcheshvan. The early rains come on the third of Marcheshvan. Benonis b'shivabo, right? The middle rains come on the seventh of Cheshvan. Afela b'shiva asarbo. I will say now, afela literally means last, but of course, it doesn't actually mean last. It means the last in this series comes on the seventeenth of Cheshvan. Divrei Rabbi Meir. These words, Rabbi Meir. So I'll say so again. According to Rabbi Meir's model for the Yore rains, first one comes on the third of Mar Cheshvan, second on the seventh of Cheshvan. Third on the seventeenth of Cheshvan. Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda says, "Beshiva, no, no. First rain of the Yorah falls on the seventh of Cheshvan. Second one, Biyud Zayin, seventeenth of Cheshvan. Ushlosha, ushlo, I'm sorry, sorry, wrong one. Uvesim Ushlosha, twenty third. So I'm sorry, Rabbi Huda says seven, se, seventh, seventeenth, and twenty third of Cheshvan. Rabbi Yossi, what does Rabbi Yossi say? He says, "Biyud Zayin." He holds that ultimately, again, the three rains, the first, three first early rains fall. When? On the 17th of Cheshvan, the 23rd of Cheshvan, and Rosh Chodesh Kislev. Here you begin to see it. Rabbi Yossi used to say, Rabbi Yossi was of the opinion that Halacha Lamaisaf Individuals. Now, I will say, remember again, Mishnah Yomi. I don't mean to keep plugging Mishnah Yomi, but I'm going to keep plugging Mishnah Yomi. It's Kedai. Okay, so, remember again, the first three fast days that were observed as a result of a lack of rain were not communal fast days. Only Tamidi Chachamim fasted. Shabbi Yossi says, when is that first, that first segment of fast days observed by Tamidi Chachamim? When were those fasts triggered? 
they weren't triggered until Rosh Chodesh Kislev. Because in Rabbi Yossi's model, by the time Rosh Chodesh Kislev rain, God came around, and if it did not rain, what did you miss? You missed the first three rains. Right? Because, man, Rabbi Yossi's model is 17th, 23rd Rosh Chodesh Kislev. Am Rav Chista, Rav Chista says, Halacha Rabbi Yossi. The Halacha follows Rabbi Yossi. Say, so remember again, what, 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 is it, what does that mean, that the halacha follows, that the halacha follows Rabbi Yossi? So first of all, say, for a number of reasons. Number one, it would indicate to us, when do we begin to start to say, V'sein Talumat Al-Livracha, right? When, in Eretz Yisrael, at least. In Eretz Yisrael, when do you begin to say, V'sein Talumat Al-Livracha? So remember, the, the obligation to insert, well, and we're going to see this, not, not today, but we'll get to the sugya, the obligation to insert V'sein Talumat Al-Livracha is directly related to when we expect the first rain. So in interest of Rabbi Yossi's model, you wouldn't really begin to say the same Talmud Livracha until when? Until when? Until the 17th of Tisle, Kisle, Cheshvan, uh, I'm sorry. They will say, but aside from that, which is, aside from that is, when do we have to begin to fast if there hasn't been rain? In other words, by, by what date, by what date do we need to be concerned and kind of trigger the fast days for rain? So Rabbi Yossi will say, really? Really, it's going to be Rosh Chodesh Kislev. So the Gemara says, Allah follows Rabbi Yossi, Allah follows Rabbi Yossi Haglili. Uh, Rabbi Yossi, sorry. Halakha Rabbi Yossi. Ameymar Masni Lahadra Chista Bahai Lishna. So Ameymar, Ameymar had the following version. On the third of Cheshvan, we already begin to say the same Tal Umatra Divracha. Rabbi Gamil, Rabbi Gamil says, Bishivabo. No, not, not on the third of Cheshvan, rather on the seventh, which we had this Gemara yesterday as well. Am Rav Chista, and Rav Chista said, Halacha Kirabbi Gamil, that Halacha Vazra Gamil, namely that we begin to say the same Talamat Livracha on the seventh of Cheshvan. So, Kiman Azla Hadisan, you both say, and obviously, we've already seen in yesterday's daf that this Halacha of the same Talamat Livracha is going to be different for Eretz Yisrael versus Chutzlarz. And we know that Halacha Lamaisa. Again, we'll see that inside. Kiman Azla Hadisanya. So, we'll say, whose opinion is reflected in the following idea? Rabbi Shimon ben Gamil Omer, Kishamim Sheyardu Shiva Yomim Ze'acharze. If rain falls, if rain falls for seven days, right, seven consecutive days, atamona bahen revia rishona ushnia ushlishis. Now, both say dagos vitziunim changes this. If you look, if you have this footnote in your gemara footnote vav, he changes it to right rishona ushnia oshnia ushlishis. So, what the gemara means to say is like this: if it rains for seven consecutive days. So within those consecutive days can be counted as either rainfalls one and two or two and three. In other words, we both say, here's the, interesting, here's the interesting idea. When we look at rainfalls, when we look at rainfalls, if you have days of consecutive rainfall, so can that count as hitting two of the target dates or do we look at consecutive rainfall ultimately again as just one rainfall. And also you'll say to yourself, what, I don't know, what, what does it matter? You'll see why it matters in just a moment. So the Gemara says over here, if it rains for seven consecutive days, within those seven consecutive days, that could count as rainfalls one and two, or two and three. Whose opinion is reflected in this? So the Gemara says, Kiman, Karabiosi. Karabiosi, Karabiosi, why? Because if you look at Rabiosi's dates, right, Rabiosi's dates, are either from, are Yudzayin 17, 23, and Rosh Chodesh Kislev. So therefore, both say, if it rains for second, seven consecutive days, if it, so again, that could either get the first two, right? Yudzayin, right? 17, 23, 
or it can get 23 in Rosh Chodesh Kislev. So therefore, when it says if it rains for seven consecutive days, that could count as two rainfalls, that reflects the timing of Rabbi Yossi. So the Gemara, so let's analyze this. Obviously, the Gemara says, essentially, the unasked question is, I'm sorry, and then the Gemara, to which the Gemara says, okay, what, what does this matter, that the Halacha follows Rabbi Yossi, that the rains are expected on the 17th, 23rd of Cheshvan, and then Rosh Chodesh Kislev. Now, really, what does it matter? So the Gemara says, I'll tell you why it matters. Bishlama, Revia, Rishona, Lishol. I understand why I need to know the date of the first rain, because the date of the first rain dictates what? Dictates what? When I begin to say the same Talumat to Livracha. I understand that. Similarly, Shlishis, Lis, Anos. I have to know the date of the last rain, and when we say the last rain, I mean the last of the first unit of rain, which according to Rabbi Yossi is when? Is when? Rosh Chodesh Kislev. I need to know that because if there's no rainfall by then, then what? That triggers the more comprehensive system of fast days. So I understand why I need rain date one, rain date two. Rain date one teaches me the same Talmud Livracha. Sorry, rain date three. Rain date three teaches me that if it hasn't rained by rain date three, we have a critical situation, triggers the more comprehensive fast days. However, Shniel Lamai, who really cares about, you know, this is like the middle, the middle syndrome over here, right? Who really cares about that middle fast day, right? What, what, is, what is that, what, what, no, that middle rain date, right? What does that really matter? So the Gemara says as follows. So the Gemara says, um, fine, fine. Shniya Lamai, I'm Rabbi Zera. Rabbi Zera says, I'll tell you why it makes a difference. Linidarim. This is fascinating. It makes a difference if a person made a nether, a person made a vow. How so? This is I will say, I'm a base. This is Listen to this case. If a person makes a nether regarding the rain, regarding the rain, meaning, the way to read this actually is, the Hagal Sabach changes this. He says, Right? So if a person goes out and makes a nether, and he says, the nether should be in effect. I, I, uh, I won't drink wine. I won't drink wine. Until the rains, right? Or until there will be rain, or until it until rain falls. What's the halacha? Raviyashnia. But this is very interesting. The halacha is that see, so again, I say I will not drink wine until it rains. Atagishamim, or ultimately again until the rain falls. Good. What's the halacha? So say, so when is my nedr in effect until the Gemara says until the second rain? Now look at Rashi for just a moment. So literally, I'm saying, I will not, I make a nether, that I will not benefit, I will not drink wine until the, until the rain falls. So when, which rain does the nether extend until? Rashi says, ultimately, again, the nether is in effect until the second rain. Rashi says, In general, the rule by nedarim, because a lot of times by Nedarim, you can make an Eder, and you say something which can be interpreted in a number of different ways. So by Nedarim, the way we interpret your words is however people colloquially mean this particular saying. So in other words, in, in, interestingly enough, you could often interpret words in two different ways. You could inter- Halacha could interpret words in a particular way, or you could interpret words the way people, uh, we'll call it, in, in a way of normal usage. By Nedarim, we interpret words 
by way of normal usage. So therefore, the Gemara is saying is when people make a net or a promise, and the promise is in effect until it rains, they mean the second rain. Now look at Rashi, why is this? Shabbos is very interesting. When people spoke about the rains, they were re- normally referring to the second rains. Why? The first rain doesn't really have such an impact on activities of daily life. Right? The first rain is just rain. By the time the second rain comes, what happens? The roads become all muddy. Travel becomes a bit more complicated. Right? He says, the, right, the dirt roads would be made all difficult and disgusting as a result of the rains. Interestingly enough, so according to the first approach in Rashi, when people say until the rains, they're just colloquially referring to the second rain. That's when the impact of the rains are really felt on day-to-day life. Rashi then gives another interpretation. So, mashma tre. Then if you're, but see, the other possibility is a person says, I won't drink wine until the rains, plural. So by definition, what's rains, plural? Second rain. Okay, so two different interpretations of Rashi. In, uh, in Rashi, but either way, the point over here is you see, it is significant to know when the date of the second rain is. Because if I were to go ahead and say, I'm not going to drink, I'm not going to drink wine until the rains fall, when does that nether extend until? Right? When is it over? So the Gemara suggests over here that according to Rabbi it would be over on the 23rd of Cheshvan, for that is the time of the second rain. So the first date, 17th of Cheshvan, is significant. Second date is significant because if you make a nether that's linked to the rain, that's when the nether expires. Third date will be significant if there is no rainfall that would trigger the system of comprehensive and intense fast days. Incredible. Rav Zavid Amar Lezaysim. Rav Zavid says, interestingly enough, the second date of rain is necessary ultimately for olives. How so? Disnan. Here we go. This was a very interesting halacha. Right? There are different tides that we have to leave. Right? There's leket. Leket means, I will say, you're harvesting. You're harvesting. And you drop some, we'll call it stalks of grain. What's talacha? You have to leave it. That's harvesting. Shechecha is when you're collecting your items from the field, different than harvesting, you're collecting your items in the field, and you leave behind the stalk or a sheaf. What's talacha or a bundle? What's talacha? Leave it behind. And paya. Paya is the obligation to go ahead and leave a corner of your field. These are what's called matnosanim, gifts to the poor, and they effectively become hefker. Now, we'll say something very interesting over here. As the owner, as the owner, the Gemara says, there does come a certain point in time where I, as the owner, can go back and take these items for myself as well. Or is there hefker, they're ownerless. So there is a certain point in time where I can go back and reclaim them for, or take them for myself. When could I do that? Ultimately, again, after the Nemushos walk through my field. So it says, we're going to see the Nemushos were like the, 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 the paupers who would come last through a field. Once the nemushos make their way through a field, again, we'll, we'll define that term in just a moment. No other paupers were coming to collect anything from this field. And I, as the owner, can now take any leket, shechacha, or peya that is left over. Look at Rashi. 
דמיקן ואילך נסייישו שר העניים, לפי שיודעים אם נשאר לקט שכרופאה נמושוס נטלו. כי זה אומר שדנמושוס were very thorough. So anything that was left over, usually they took. So once other paupers knew that the Nemushos walked through, no one else was coming to that field to glean anything. No one else was coming. So the Gemara says, how about Peret Ololos? What about by Peret Ololos? So we'll say Peret means you go ahead and you leave, and this is harvesting grapes. So Peret means you leave some grapes on the vine, or Ololos are, uh, are kind of like misformed clusters that you would leave on the vine for the poor. Again, these are also gifts for the poor. What's talacha? When Once again, these are hefker. They're given to the poor. When could I, as the owner, if I want, to go take some back for myself, when could I do that? Mishielchu aniyim bekerem biavo. Ultimately, again, when the poor, when the poor literally, again, walk through the vineyard and come back. So I'll say, lashon the imagery is, the poor, when they were collecting, they would essentially do two trips through the vineyard. They'd go, right? They'd go forward and then they'd come backwards. After they conduct that, that, that comprehensive sweep of the vineyard, ultimately, again, if there's anything left there, you as the owner are permitted to take it. But say, just understand what's happening over here. The idea is the owner can only come back and take whatever is left over at a point in time when we know that the Aniyim have given up any more hope of retrieving anything from these fields. So let's say again, by olives, excuse me, by Leket, Shikha, and Peah, it's the Nemushos. After the Nemushos have gone through the Aniyim, ah, that, that field was picked, was picked clean, right? There's nothing left over there. So as the owner, if I want to go back and see if there's something there, I can take something for myself. In the vineyard, after the anim have gone to and fro, right? At that point in time, now we assume everything that's there has been picked. The anim will no longer come to that vineyard, and I, as the owner, could go take whatever there's left over. Good. So the owner says, and what about my olives? When can I go ahead if, right, and take olives? And as well say, olives that I've left in the field for the poor. At what point in time? At what point in time, ultimately, again, am I permitted to go ahead and take them for myself? Once the second rain falls. Once the second rain falls, anything left in the field, I could assume that the Aniyim are not coming back for, and I am permitted to take it. It's good. So, so therefore, just another, remember, why do we get into this right now? Because the Gemara is just trying to figure out what's the impact of the second rain, right? Rabbi Yossi has a schedule, three, a three-date schedule. The 17th of Cheshvan, 23rd of Cheshvan, Rosh Chodesh Kislev. First date is significant, the same time of Libracha. Third date is significant, triggers fast days if there's no rainfall. Why do we need to know the second day? So first answer was because for Nedarim, for vow purposes. Second answer is because it also tells you when you're allowed to go ahead and reclaim the Hefker olives left in your field. Good. So you might say, by the way, my Nemushos, what are Nemushos? Right? What does that phrase mean? What does that mean? So the Gemara says, Azli Atigra. These are the old men who walk with a staff. Walk with the staff. So I will say, this is interesting. They're the paupers who collect after they collect. So Rashi points out over here that sometimes, you know, if you had a father and son who were poor, so what would happen? That would ha- what would happen? The pauper would bring his son to the field to glean. So what ends up happening is, what ends up happening is that the father would go and his son would follow after him. So whatever the father missed, whatever the father missed, the son was able to pick up. 
The idea being that these people conducted an exhaustive gleaning. So after they went through the field, there was normally nothing left to really be gleaned. No other paupers would come. And therefore, again, really whatever is left over, the balabais is permitted to go ahead and retake for himself. Let's say, I'll just say it's incredible, Mostrowski, if you think about this. The first definition of Nemushos is Sabi Da'azli Atigra. Old men, old men who lean on a staff. So we'll say, what's the imagery? What, what does it mean if it's an old man who, who, goes to, who leans on a staff? So how does he make his way through the field? How does he make his way through the field? Slowly. Slowly. So they will say, but because he makes his way through the field slowly, he's able to see every last stalk of grain. Right? He's able to see every last item. Which tells you, teaches you an incredible Moser skill. Sometimes we just blow through life. Right? We blow through everything, right? We're, we're always like we're at maximum speed through everything. And we're often in life, the great challenge of the human condition is wherever we are, we're already thinking about the next thing, right? My mind is always somewhere else. Often my body is present in one place, but my mind wanders somewhere else. And because of that, what ends up happening is we often miss out on the impact of our present circumstances. Right, so this happens, right? I'm spending time at home, but my mind is in the office. So my body is one place, but my mind is somewhere else. So I miss the impact of, of being home. And I'm in one experience in life, I'm already thinking about what's next, so I don't maximize that experience. And sometimes, you know, when you live life quickly, it's true. Maybe you accomplish a lot and you get to a lot of places, but you lose out on the profound impact of every singular experience. And you leave a lot of beautiful morsels and nuggets behind. You see the power of the Nemushos. The Nemushos were the old men who leaned on stakes. You know what the great part about being an old man who supports himself on a stake? One day will be Zohar to know, right? The great part about it is you move slowly and you see everything with every single step. And you know what happens as a result? You get to collect everything. You get to collect everything. So life is this incredible balance. On one hand, you can't just spend your life in one place. You have to move from place to place, from situation to situation, from accomplishment to accomplishment. But you can't blow through life either at such a pace that you miss everything around you. You have to be like the Nemushos, who are take their time, but through taking their time, are able to gather the true profundity of all of life's experiences. The Gemara goes right to Papa Amri. Papa Amar, this is a fascinating halacha. Rav Papa says the second rain is also impactful because the second rain ultimately is when you have to stop walking through walking through the pathways. Now, what does this mean? Listen to this. Because listen to this. Da'aloha is, da'aloha is that, look at Rashi. So both say, there is a special halacha that says as follows. I am permitted to take a shortcut through someone's field. I'll say this in general, by the way, is fascinating halachas that often come up within, within Jewish communities where people take shortcuts through other people's property. Which, which again, I will say, first of all, if you do it, I just want to tell you, ask Rishos. It's really, you should, you should not walk, e- even if everyone does, and I've been doing it for years, you should ask permission 
from the homeowner. Person spends a lot of money on a house. Your house affords you privacy. Your house affords you time away from the world. If you're going to cut through someone else's property, you should not, you cannot do it without asking Rishos. Even if that path is, and again, even then I will say, I would tell you, I think you have to think very long and hard. If it, you know, there's something about just walking through other people's property that, that just does not really feel like the right thing to do. Again, if you have rishos, you have rishos. But Lamaisa, I can't tell you, it happens all the time. And especially, we have to be so careful with this in the firm where sometimes we just take liberties with other people's property that we should not be taking in any event. But on a, on a halachic level, based in instituted, that you're allowed to walk through someone's field. Again, I want to point out, they, this is by the field. This is an agricultural field, not their driveway, right? Not, not their house. Hey, so I say, see, you're, you're allowed to go ahead you're allowed to go ahead and walk through someone's field, right? To take a shortcut. But however, you can only walk through the field when that pedestrian traffic will not adversely impact crop growth. So when are you permitted to take shortcuts through people's fields? Up until the second rain. But after the second rain, already again, things have been planted, the rain is coming down, you can't walk through those fields. Because if you walk, if you take a shortcut through those fields, there's a concern that you may come to destroy the vegetation that is growing. Look at Rashi. Knowing when the second rain is, that's actually very important because you're allowed to take shortcuts through other people's field, by the way, even without their permission, up until the second rain. But once the second rain comes, no shortcuts through fields because you will, you will adversely impact the vegetation that is growing, the grain that's growing. By the way, the second rain has another impact on Shemitah, during the Shemitah year, which is during the second rain is when you have to go ahead and remove the fruit from your house. By Shemitah, we know all produce in the field becomes hefker. Everything becomes hefker. Now, there's an interesting halacha that says you're allowed to go ahead and store produce in your house as long as that produce is readily available in the field. Once the produce is not available in the field, you cannot store it in your house. And in fact, when it's no longer readily available in the field, anything you have in your home, you have to remove from your home. That is called the process of beer. So the Gemara says, this none, here we go. At what point in time are you permitted to go ahead and benefit or burn, meaning use for fuel? The tavern, the straw, the kash, the stubble of Shemitah, up until the second rain, because it's readily available in the field up until the second rain. Now, once the second rain comes, any straw or stubble becomes disgusting and unusable. So by the second rain, you, ha- you can no longer store any of that in your house. What's the reason? So the Pasuk says, I'm sorry. For the right, so what does this mean? For literally, again, for the animal that's in your land. As long as the animal in the field has access to the straw, you can, you can store the straw in your home for your animal. But once the animal in the field no longer has access to the straw, first wide line, ultimately, again, you can no longer store that straw 
in your home for your animal. Beautiful. On Rabbi Avo, my Lashon Revia. We'll say, why is rain called Revia? So the Gemara says, Dovar Sherovea Esakarka. Ultimately, again, because rain penetrates the earth. Kid Rabbi Yehuda, Dom Rabbi Yehuda, Mitra Baila Da'ara. Rabbi Yehuda said that the rain, the rain is like the husband of the earth. So it's, it's a metaphor, it's a metaphor for physical intimacy. So right, what happens between a husband and a wife is like the relationship between the rain and the earth. So we'll say, so you see the Lashem, right? How does, how does the Navi, how does the Navi describe the rain? The rain will penetrate the earth and as a result, the earth will birth. The earth will birth. So the rains, right, the rains penetrate the earth, the earth becomes pregnated, impregnated with potential, and then ultimately brings forth the crowd. Rabbi Avo, Rabbi Avo says, Rishona, the first rains, Bekarka Tefach. So this is incredible. Right? The first rains penetrate the earth one tefach of depth. But it's gonna point out, you know, it's so interesting that the, right, we who do not live in an agrarian society see these Gemaras and are like, okay, it's very interesting. This was their life, right? In an agricultural society, this is life. The, rain, the way the rain, this isn't, I want to point out, this isn't Agarata. <laughs> this isn't Agarata. Right? This is life. This is life. When the rain comes, how the rain comes, how much the rain penetrates the earth, this is life. So the Gemara says, and I just want to point out, I think we have to have an unusual sensitivity to this also, being a Shemitah year, right? You see, being a Shemitah year, we begin to become sensitized, like how much people are dependent on the earth, on the right. Again, right, right now, our greatest problem is, you know, the supply chain, right? So that, that, that's, that's the issue. I would say, but again, not tied to the earth, tied to other things. Right? So I say, but, but amazingly enough, you know, again, we understand the sensitivities, the farmer, the farmer, again, the timing of the rain, how much rain, what type of rain, everything has this dramatic impact. So the Gemara says, Revia Rishona comes down one tafach into the earth. Shnia kede lagof ba pichavis. The second rain, enough rain had to fall to make the earth so moist that you could fashion a lid for a barrel from the mud. Otherwise, that the earth itself, so we'll say, so again, the first rain, doesn't really make mud, but hopefully it penetrates the soil. The second rain hopefully would make the ground muddy. How muddy? Muddy enough that you could go ahead and make a, make a, make a lid for a barrel, which just means that the earth itself is malleable. It's muddy. So Rafkista says, as long as enough, as long as enough rain came down, that the earth is, is moist enough that you could fashion the earth into a lid for a barrel, there's no va'atsar. It also doesn't mean va'atsar. So remember again, v'atsar es ha-shamayim v'lo yihiyeh matar. It also from, from, from Kriyashma, right? The Lurah Kashbarach who says, a sign of this divine displeasure, v'atsar Kashbarach will withhold the heavens. So as long, right, will or hold back the rains from coming down. So as long as it has rained enough that you could fashion a lid of a barrel from the earth, then ultimately, again, the rains are not being withheld. So that's very interesting. Rav Chista said, rains that fall before va'atzar are not subject to va'atzar. Now, what does that mean? So what Rav Chista is saying is like this. 
rain that falls before the time of Kriyashma is, is, is good rain. Is good rain. So the Gemara says, now, which Kriyashma Rabbo says? It's talking about Kriyashma Shal Shachris, or Kriyashma Shal Arvis, right? What the Torah is telling me is that Halacha Lamaisa, Halacha Lamaisa, if rain falls before Zman Kriyashma, ultimately, again, that is good rain and not a sign that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is withholding anything. To which the Gemara says, okay, which rain? Oh, sorry, which Shema? Amra lo Amran Ela Kodem Ba'atzar Da'arta. That's talking about rain that falls before Mairif. Aval Kodem Ba'atzar Ditzafra, Yeshem Shema'atzar. Both says this, the Gemara says, rain that falls in the early morning, like before this month for Kriyashma, that rain is actually not beneficial. That rain isn't beneficial. And even if that rain falls, you still might be in trouble. But rain that falls before Kriyashma Shal Arvis, that's good rain. It says that the Amra of Yehuda Bar Yitzchak, Hani Anani Ditzafra, Lespuhum Shasha. The rain clouds of the morning have no positive impact. Tichsev, Ma'eselcha Ephraim, Uma'eselcha Yehuda. So we'll say, Gemara, we're recording the Pasik from Hosea, Uma'eselcha Yehuda, Vechastechem Ka'anan Boker. So the Navi blasts Yehud and Ephraim, and he says, your chesed is like morning clouds. Just like morning rain clouds are absolutely unimpactful. So, so, so we'll say, you see from here that morning rain is not considered to be gishmei bracha. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not bracha de karein. Is that true? People say, mitra. So I also listen to this. But people say, listen to this expression, right? When the gates of rain open in the morning, donkey driver, donkey driver, fold up your sack and go back to sleep. So I'll say, which means that when it rains heavily in the morning, that is a sign of incredible bounty. And so we tell the donkey driver, it doesn't even make sense to go out and sell your wares because you're not going to make good money today because there's going to be such an abundance of produce that the price of produce is going to go down. So you might as well take the day off. Right? You might as well take the day off because there's no money to be made today. So what do you see from here? When it rains in the morning, that is a sign of incredible bracha. So what's going on over here? To which the Gemara says, Lokasha, had be'eva, had ba'anani. So the Gemara says, it depends. Why does it depend? Now look at Rashi. Rashi says over here, second wide line, the be'eva, in this kashu shamayim ba'anonim avim, velo kilushim, imam shum I will say everything depends on the type of clouds. On the type of clouds. If ultimately, again, there are thick clouds in the sky, that is a sign of very good rain. If, however, again, it's thinner clouds in the sky, that rain is not going to be beneficial. Okay? So, Rabbi Yehuda says it is good in the year when Teves is a widow. What does it mean when the month of Teves is a widow? When there's no rain for Teves. It's a good sign when there's no rain for Teves. Look at Rashi just a moment. Tavala Shasa, Ashra, Kilomar Tobi, Yeshoshana, the Tebes, Armalta, Shengeshamim Yardin, Baladavias Aris. It's good when rain does not fall during Tebes. Ike de Amri, the Lobairi Tarbitsi. 
So the Gemara says, why is this? Look at Rashi. So some say because the Lobari Tarbit say, Osan Makomashem Arbitsen Mentora ain't boros from Desha Drakin Yafin. Because they both say, when it doesn't rain in Teves, so the roads don't get muddy. When the roads don't get muddy, people can make it to the base Medrash. So we'll say, so again, we want rain in Cheshvan. We want rain in Cheshvan. Apparently, even some rain in Kislev. But it's good, the Gemara says, when Teves is a dry month. Because we've had enough rain in the previous months. And this way, again, people can make it to the base medrash during Teves. The Ikadami, others say, The Lo Shakal Shudafna. The Lo Shakal Shudafna, Rashi says, Ain Hashidafo Nechaz. Because rain fell, hopefully in Cheshvan and in Kislev, so no disease, no blight, drought will take hold of the grain. Ini, is that so? Or is that it's good when it doesn't rain in Teves? Vamra Chista. But yet we learn that it's a good year when Teves is a very wet month. Well, it's not a contradiction. Both are true. When is it good when Teves is a wet month? When it hasn't rained in Cheshvan and Kislev. But ultimately, again, if there's been sufficient rain in Cheshvan and Kislev, it's good when Teves is a dry month. Good. We'll say, what happens if in part of the country it rains, part of the country it doesn't rain? We'll say, this is not a sign of va'atzar, right? It's very interesting. What the Gemara is saying is like this. Even though ideally we want rain everywhere, as long as there are pockets of the country, of a country, right, of a, of a region that have received rain, the fact that some pockets did not receive rain is not a sign of divine displeasure. Apparently, it's only a sign of divine displeasure when when the whole region doesn't get rain. But if part of it gets rain, part of it doesn't get rain, it's not va'atzar, right? That's not a withholding of rain. Ini, is that so? Vaksia, but the Pasuk says, quoting over here from, from Amos, Yet the Pasik says, Yet the Pasik itself in Amos discusses a situation where Akadosh Baruch Hu causes it to rain on one city, but it doesn't rain on a different city. And the Navi is highlighting this as a sign of divine displeasure. So you see from here that even in one Medina, when it rains in one place, but it doesn't rain in a different place, that is a sign of divine displeasure. To which the Gemara says, everything depends ultimately again on the amount of rainfall. Look at Rashi. If it's too much rain, then ultimately again, it's a simon klala for both the areas that received the rain and the areas didn't receive the rain. However, again, if at least one part of the region received sufficient rainfall, even if the other region did not receive any rainfall, halacha that is still a simen bracha. Incredible. Also an incredible yisod. The idea being that some, even if the entire Medina doesn't receive rainfall, but part of it does, that's also a sign of divine blessing. We're saying divine blessing is not only manifest in perfect circumstances, right? Sometimes we think that the sign of, uh, uh, when, when is HaKadosh Baruch Hu happy? What's, what's divine bracha? When everything is perfect. Everything is as it should be, right? The planets are in alignment. All the pieces fall into place. And the Imara says, that's not how life works, right? Ne- you never have a situation where everything is perfect or everything falls into place. When is it divine bracha? When pockets of the Medina have received proper rainfall, even if others have not. 
some rainfall in the right way is also a sign of divine blessing, even though, again, it hasn't been as much rain as you thought was needed or in the way in which it was needed. It's such an incredible Musar Haskil. We so often are always looking for perfection, right? We're looking for divine blessing and everything falling into place. And the truth is, life never happens that way. The goal of the Jew is to recognize the divine blessing in the things that are good, even if they're not perfect. So the Gemara goes right there. The Gemara says, the Gemara says as follows. Uh, so we'll say here, we'll actually we'll begin this, we'll stop over in just a moment. We'll say, so this is interesting, from when do we begin to make the bracha on rain? Now we'll say, now this is something very interesting. This is not talking about the same Talamat Livracha. If you look at Rashi, Rashi says over here, this is so beautiful. The Gemara says, when you see rain, you make the bracha of Atova Ametiv, which is the bracha of God who is good and bestows good. So the Gemara now is not asking out about Mashibracha Merida Gashem or Vesain Talmud Libracha. The Gemara is going to talk about from when do you begin to make the bracha of Hatoba Ametiv on rain. But we'll stop over here. Merit Hashem will pick up with this beautiful sugya in Merit Hashem tomorrow. Shkayach, everyone. I might have to start 5.45 tomorrow again in your session, but uh, stay, stay tuned for the WhatsApp.